You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards. I'm Mark Berger, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me back again. Now, Kirsten, there's been a lot of change going on in your world. What is your current title? Has the team that's come in and is going to acquire you changed you around, or are you still vice president? At the moment, I'm still Senior Vice President of Product and Experience at Aconic, so I think no it, change yet. I think it's fascinating to see the journey that you're going through because there's one thing when a big company says, we, we're going to buy you, then there's the due diligence, and then there's finally the big kapow, we're, we're married, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah? Exactly. That will come soon, I'm sure. All right. So, Kirsten, we've got to um, uh, go through here through Collection 2. Uh We've got 50 projects that are in the collection this month. We've got 20 that we've selected for and their we've merit. we've been hard on you. You've had to pick a top five. We're a top month. five and a top one. Well, that's so, true. Yeah. So we're going to go through that. And listeners, what we've decided to do is spend a bit more time on five extraordinary projects that are here. And uh, we're going to launch into that. I think the first project we're looking at, Kirsten, is the Light Scene EV100 series from Epson. Now, this is this has got that cool factor, right? Where you look at it, you're like, okay, it's a, it's a projector. It's kind of merging physical and digital worlds together. Um, it's got an aspect of motion tracking they seem to have put in there. But what they really seem to be able to do is to... Um, create in a small package um, environments for which which gives options to retailers and things to display their products so it's they're kind of saying here's a space that's been around for a while how do we innovate that further and i love the journey where they talk about how they actually did that with getting some of the best design minds together yeah and it's really impressive that epson have turned around and said the first part of rolling this out is applications and by, by looking at the way that it can be applied, in this sense, it was all around retail. But I remember last month we were looking at a project that was actually in the building space that was using the HoloLens, mm. but that was an individual person looking at what pipes and ducts and so forth should be installed. In this case here, in the future, this could actually be on-site projecting the to-be-built space. Exactly. And so it's it's all about their seeding possibilities with this technology. And I, I could see this used perfectly for real estate, right? Like all these display places that you see. Imagine being able to go to the level and actually see what your environment's going to look like and have those different walls projected instead of having to put on that HoloLens, being in that space, being immersive. Mm. So it's seeding amazing possibilities, I think. And look, it's built on some layers of technologies that have been coming through over the last numbers of years. So there's obviously the smart projection that's in there. It could just be a white light in a retail presence or it can turn around and actually be a full color a full color screen. It's also got the the base of how do you map projections together and the software that does that. Well, that's all solved now. And now it's getting this motion detection overlay on it, which means interactivity can be put into retail environments without special hardware mm. because it's actually going to sense the space that people are in. I think we're going to see a huge number of installations in retail that have been, will blow us away. It's very cool tech. So next up, I think we have BioLife. BioLife. Now, how up to speed are you with uh, life sciences? Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a specialist, I think. You, and I haven't actually had any family members who've undergone um, organ transplants and things, but it seems that you've experienced something well, like that. Well, they're not so much um, transplants, but um, uh, family members who have had radical surgery with then parts 
taken out. Mm. And, and so that gives me a reference that the, our current medical world is actually uh, not so much about resolving medical issues, but actually maintaining people's lives at an acceptable level. And often it comes with a whole suite of additional problems, doesn't it? Like you remove an organ and then suddenly the patient is on drugs for the rest of their life. Well, if you, so if you replace an organ, anti-rejection um, drugs are in there. If you remove an organ, it may be that there's a nutrient that they, they can't get. So the idea of being able to go and um, 3D print an organ and then have it that it doesn't require anti-rejection drugs and that it's actually fitting in and resolving the problem with, with the person based on their DNA, based on their MRI scans. This is actually a wondrous future, but it's going to take, look, this is at least 20 years away before it becomes something which is reality. It's, it's very, it's conceptual at the moment, isn't it? And it's kind of the sci-fi uh, movies that you see this stuff, but it, it's not too far from reality. Like, as you said, 20 years is not that long. Well, my partner, she uh, uh, works in hospital labs, and she was talking about the fact that it took 20 years for the behavioural change so that people's washing of their hands and dealing with potential HIV samples became the norm. Mm. Now, that's stuff that's going to kill you, and it takes 20 years yeah. to change, <laughs> let alone actually saying, well, if I was planning a hospital now, I'd be actually working out which people are coming in to have something which is maintained, lots of day procedures. Mm -hmm. Dialysis, and, those kind of things. Yeah. yeah, and which patients come in and we never see them again. Mm. And that's the resolution patients. Mm. And I think if we, as a community, if we get people to health resolutions rather than health maintenance, we're going to change our health budget dramatically. So rather than having somebody who's costing us an extra fifty dollars to $100,000 a year to maintain them, we've actually put in a procedure which actually then has stopped the ongoing expense, allows them to go have a full and fruitful life, and actually people get back to having life rather than actually surviving illness. It's pretty amazing. Let's keep going then. Let's, um, I'm going to head off to Latch M, the Latch M project here. Now, I actually, I love this one because I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I lost my keys again. <laughs> I was like, I just want to get an electronic lock on the door. But can, this can is I so much you, more. Now, I, before we go into that, <laughs> what time of day was this that you lost your keys? It was, well, I'd misplaced. And they were, it was late at night and it might have been <laughs> they were in my handbag after all of that. But apart from all of that, I was actually thinking of something like this and how we it would have been if I'd just come up and put been able to use my phone or my finger to actually open the lock. I think it's fascinating that you can be in a mind state where you can't find your keys, but you can go think about the way the future technology can work. But we'll we'll leave that to we'll one There might be a time shift that happened there, That's I think. True. Okay. That's so true. listeners, so the idea about the Latch M project here is that the the team at Latch they brought this product to market as uh, it picked up an IF Industrial Design Award in 2016. So it was originally like a minimal viable kind of product that they'd done? Actually, no, because it's actually the platform that we're looking at here. So when you do um, Fitbits, the moment one person wears a Fitbit, then you've got somebody getting a benefit. 
But if you're trying to produce something like the Latch M, you've got to go and actually first make it. You mm. then ha and put it through all of the prototyping. It then has to be able to be produced in tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands units. It then needs to be specified by an architect to go into the built space. It then has to be installed in right. the built space. So, yeah, it then starts to get into an application um, environment. And what I like that they've done here is that they've gone through that journey over the last couple of years, but the applications that they're now seeing has been supported by a technology ecosystem that they've built out, which means that dog walking companies, courier companies, um, home nurses can actually now Airbnb. get Airbnb. <laughs> well, they're in everything, yeah. aren't they? So all of those players now have a, a new a, a new verb that they can go put in the way that they run their business, mm. which is. I need access for an hour to go pick up your dog and return it. I need access for between 9 and 10 in the morning to come in and wash or, or clean up for the elderly person who's mm. in the apartment. You're not giving away keys which are 24-7 keys. You're giving away in time slices. It's logged. It gives a greater sense of security and enablement. And, and I think it's, it's celebrating these extraordinary projects which haven't just come up with one aspect. It's not just that it's about making a, a latch. It's, it's actually the, the latch ecosystem yeah. that actually builds it out. And I think it, as far as bringing in a commercial experience, awesome because it's actually latch have done something which now is an enablement platform for many other players. Yeah. And I could even think that in, uh, say, the temporary workspaces around the building area that Aconex customers would be in, to go have that there's an intelligent you know, locking, unlocking procedure would make a lot of sense, particularly if you've got shared tools amongst people on a, on a work site, which is only the people who are actually part of that work crew can unlock to go get the tools. There's lots of applications, Definitely. but you need to have the hardware and you need to have a reliable technology environment or platform, and then you can start to imagine anything. Congratulations to the Latch team. Yeah, it's fantastic. We're now going to City Airbus. When I saw this project, I thought, hadn't we seen this like a year before or something in one of the previous design awards? Well, you know how I love talking about greenfields and greenfields? Yes, yep. Well, vertical takeoff and landing, VTOL, yeah. is, is, is <laughs> another area that we're going to talk a lot about transport. And, and so this is actually Airbus's concepts of how they make, may do an autonomous uh, vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. And what, what makes this extraordinary is that this is a system design. It's not a product. You know, we're, we're not looking at this because it's an Airbus product and it's got nice curved edges. We're thinking about the system that's here and we're going to wind up with roads in the sky. Yeah, and this, so this brings all sorts of new challenges and opportunities because it, it's really evolving quickly. Like we're seeing competitors come into this space now and so there's going to be all of these wider, broader issues where we're having to think about how are we actually designing cities to accommodate this? And then how uh, how do we design air traffic control systems? You know, basically... Who are the people who are going to support this? Like the mechanics yeah. and people who are going to service these things. So it's this whole ecosystem. Uh, we get back to it. Yeah, that yep. has to start being thought through. And, the, and then what I'm trying to hope that we get across to the design executives that are listening is that it's okay that these are very complex ecosystems that you're building. You're not alone. No. Lots of people have this. And if you've got somebody who's being a bit of a naysayer and, and trying to hold back your project because you've got to go build the whole ecosystem, show them these projects. Mm. 
talk to them about the fact that it takes several years to get from that minimal viable product or introductory hardware to platform to then utilisation. Because again, it's going to be another 10 years before we start to see these out of trial. Mm. We're just seeing autonomous vehicles in trial and they've been, you know, that's been around for the last 10 years. Yep. So it's about building momentum. It's about realising that there's a race on because the same week that I saw this project, I also saw the Larry Page um, sponsored uh, vertical takeoff and landing taxi project in, in New Zealand, which right. is a trial. We've seen um, other projects in Dubai other than Airbus who were doing the same thing. So it's a little bit like those patent rushes that you see. Enough people are getting the same ideas. You know, parts of this are going to be the, or the stability systems that have come out of Boston Dynamics, those amazing robots. There's the brushless motors that were in the Tesla cars, which are becoming more reliable. There's the battery systems in the Tesla cars. All of those things are now shaping to say, if you want to build a vertical takeoff and landing vehicle, that's not hard. It's building that ecosystem. And the we already know there's things in that ecosystem. There's drones now, a common play, right? So they're going to have to work out how do these work in the already evolving infrastructure that's Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So to the team at Airbus, congratulations on an extraordinary project that here that's here. And for any of the design executives, remind the team that's around you, which is this is a courageous journey that takes a long time to come about. But if you start late, then you're going to be that second or third patent filing, not the first one. Mm. So you're probably behind. Get on with it. Definitely. And our final one today is that, well, I think you have a special mention that you want to sneak in as well. So maybe the second final side. But this is a fantastic example of government process re-engineering. And that's the Family Violence Accommodation Register. Now, this one for me was, uh, it is definitely the project of the week. And, and well, I'm... I'm or the month. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. And, and actually, the, the frequency that we're seeing stuff coming in, it almost is that we're getting down to a project of the week yeah. um, in here. But, but this month, we've looked at this as being our absolute standout project. And I think the reason for that is that government is, is a really interesting beast, they have a leadership role of actually signalling where the future is, not so much the future from innate technologies, but the future on how it's applied and how it works amongst various stakeholders. And what I'm seeing here with this project is similar to the reform project we saw in, in last month's collection, which is that government is saying, if you do business process or engineering or transformation, whichever name you want to give it, and you do it properly, it actually enables for a whole range of stakeholders new opportunities. It reduces cost. It reduces administrative overhead. It's win-win-win because you've actually begun to leverage the enablement technologies, the innate problems that you haven't been able to solve. You put them together and all of a sudden you come up with a solution that unlocks new potential in the market and solve some human dilemmas. And I think they needed you kind of summarising their benefits, Mark, because it was kind of highlighting, you know, easy to use and and that aligning services and things. And that's not it, right? Like, that's not the brave part that's part of this project. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, I'm ex-government myself. Sometimes you have to go and explain these projects in the way that is going to be safe amongst your colleagues that may not understand the enormity of what's been done. So I think something that let me down here a bit with the video with this is that they began to talk about these 
um, really identifiable, tangible outcomes that were in it, which was, you know, things like the UX and that it, and it was a successful rollout. Well, to me, they're just taken. Mm. They're given the, now these days. That's you know, it. You yeah, know, it's just like they've things. got to be there or it's not a good <laughs> project, <laughs> okay? But what's, is, what's astounding, what's extraordinary is the systemic capacity that's been built in in the project, and that's what blows me away. Mm. That's why we've got it in government systems, and I think for anybody in government looking at this project and then considering how much effort would have this taken, mm -hmm. enormous, how much sensitivity do you have to have, again, huge, and they've taken a specialist team who have gone and pulled it together, and we've seen quite a lot of work that's come through from this studio. The team at Conduct, they've got a speciality in working on unsexy government problems and turning them into great user experiences. Mm. And that's why partnerships are so important, you know. Safe Steps who have commissioned the project, along with government departments trying to go actually work out how to solve things. There's multi-party arrangements here. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm done. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I could grab it on for, for hours about it. No, this was really impressive. So well done to the team there now as well. Now, you mentioned that I might have something a bee in yeah, my so bonnet that I haven't actually got Have you still to. got something up your sleeve? Well, I have. So there was a meta trend or a meta movement that we saw come through in this month's projects. And it was all to do with transport. That fascinates me. Whether it's individuals transporting around in walkers for elderly people, whether it's trains that don't run on tracks, which I'm still trying to get my head around how that works, whether it was actually the vertical takeoff and landing taxi systems. And then the one that really blew me away was an Audi car that actually knows what's going on with the traffic light. So there's a protocol which is called Vehicle to Infrastructure, V2I. If you're a geek, you yeah. want to have a three-letter. So that the V2I project actually enables conversations to happen between the infrastructure and the vehicles, which is now just a start, that it's telling you the speed of the, of the road sector that you're in, and it's also turning around and actually telling you how long the countdown for the lights are. It's only the beginning of that process. It's going to go a lot further, and I expect we'll see a lot more that's coming through from transport. But the big tip I've got is look at the whole collection, look at the transport projects that are there. If you're in transport, that's going to be really useful. And if you're not, there are lots of correlations to transport where it takes a long time to put the base systems down, build on the applications, and then see the utilisation that's out there. So your tip is we're going to see more in the transport industry. It huge, seems to be the huge on transport this, this year, I'm sure. <laughs> so Kirsten, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for your time again. Thank you for having me. And fantastic to see so many great things. I mean, but the fact that we managed to whittle it down to this top five or so is pretty impressive. I so think. listeners, I'm obviously a little verbose and I can't do this without, without <laughs> Kirsten giving me a hand. But I do need to say uh, Nick Esser, who's been helping us out with the audio production and the collation here, Nick's input's been amazing. We're going to lose him soon. No. So if you hear a slight difference in the audio quality that's out there, that's the Ooh. Nick factor. But uh, thanks, Nick, for all your efforts in helping us out over the podcast. We're done. Thanks, guys. All right. Be driven by design. Cheers.